This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you who are watching today, and we appreciate especially those who are watching for the first time. Thank you for tuning in today. Now, on our telecast today, we have a question that we would like to discuss and hopefully answer. Is it well with your soul? I hope you'll stay tuned. We have a Bible course that we are offering, a free Bible correspondence course. We make available to everyone who has a desire to study the Bible, learn more about the Bible. And in order that you might know more about the course and how to receive it, we'd like to pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I'd like to read now from 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 26. Please run now to meet her, and say to her, Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with the child? And she answered, It is well. There are many questions that are asked in the Bible. One such question that is asked is, Where are you? God asked that question of Adam in the very beginning of time. God did not ask Adam where he was because God did not know where Adam was. God asked Adam that question because he wanted Adam to realize where he was. Where are you? Another question that is asked in the Bible in Genesis chapter 4 verse 9 is am I my brother's keeper? It would have been far better had he been his brother's brother because he killed his brother. But am I my brother's keeper? That's a great question. Another question found in the Old Testament is in the book of Job, chapter 14, verse 14. If a man dies, shall he live again? And Jesus answered that question for time and eternity when Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life, he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. So Jesus answered the question that's asked in the Old Testament. Man can live again and will live again. There's an interesting question asked in the New Testament in Matthew 16, 26. What is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? And so that's a great question. Another great question is found in Hebrews, the second chapter in verse number three. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? And of course, there isn't an escape 
if we neglect our salvation. But I don't know of a question that is of any greater importance than the question that is suggested by the text that I have read today. And the question that I propose for us to think about is this, is it well with your soul? I think there are several reasons that we ought to consider that question. And one of the reasons that we ought to consider that question is because of the value that God has placed on my soul. As I just read to you from Matthew 16, 26, Jesus asked, well, what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? If we would understand the value that God has placed on our soul, all we must do is read the 27th chapter of Matthew. Read about the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ dying on the cross of Calvary for the sins of the world. And he did that because of the value God places upon our souls. Another reason I believe that we ought to consider the question, is it well with your soul, is because it may be otherwise than well with your soul. It may not be well with you right now in the sight of God. And so we need to think about it. Is it well with my soul? Yet a third reason that we ought to consider that question is because the condition of my soul through my influence has a way of affecting the souls of others. You see, no man lives to himself. No man dies to himself, Romans 14, 7. All of us are influencing people along life's way. And because of that, I should want things to be well with me so that when I influence lives along life's way, that my influence would encourage them to do the right thing. Is it well with your soul? I want us to think, first of all, about the woman of whom that question is asked. She is referred to in 2 Kings chapter 4 and verse 8 as being a notable woman. That's in the New King James translation. The King James translation refers to her as being a great woman. So why would she thus be referred to? Why would she be referred to as being a great woman or a notable woman? Well, I think there are two or three observations we should make here. I think one of the reasons she's so referred to is because she had a perceiving eye. In the New King James Version, it says that the woman said to her husband in reference to the prophet of God, I perceive that he is a man of God. You see, the prophet was coming by their house on a rather regular basis. And he was spending the night in their home. And this was her observation of the prophet. I perceive that he is a man of God. In other words, I can tell by the life he lives that he truly is God's man through and through. She was perceptive. We as well ought to be perceptive people. We need to be people who are able to perceive that which is right and that which is wrong, to distinguish between what is truth and what is error.
In so doing, we must sometimes try the spirits to see whether they are of God. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 1. Not only was this woman a very uh, a perceptive person, she was a very hospitable woman. She told her husband, inasmuch as the prophet keeps coming by the house, why don't we just build a room on? Let's put a bed in that room. Let's put a table in that room. Let's put a stool in that room. And let's put a lamp. And when he comes by, the prophet can stay in that room. She was a very hospitable woman. I've thought of maybe some of the excuses that she might could have offered. She might could have said, well, you know, I, I, I just feel uncomfortable in, in keeping the prophet in our home because, you know, honey, we, we don't have things that are fine like maybe some other people have that, that he knows. We, we live a rather simple uh, life. But she did not let things that she had or didn't have keep her or prevent her from showing hospitality to the prophet of God. Showing hospitality is a lost art in our day. But the Bible teaches that we ought to be hospitable people. Hebrews 13 and 2 says, Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. We may be entertaining someone that's good, that's been sent our way for a specific purpose, and we should not shun them. 1 Peter chapter 4 and 9 says, Use hospitality one toward another without grudging. Don't do it just because you feel like you have to do it. Do it because you love to do it. Hospitality. There was a preacher a number of years ago who was invited into the home of a very poor woman. And when they sat down to eat the meal, all there was on the table was cornbread and a big bowl of peas. And she told the preacher that now what we want to do is to thank God for this. And she said, if you are not a Christian, this meal is too good for you. If you are a Christian, then it's good enough for you. Let's pray. Well, she was a hospitable woman. And we uh, can appreciate this woman because of her hospitality. I think another reason she's called a great woman because she's an humble person. While Gehazi, the prophet's servant, came to the woman and said, Now, because of what you've done for the prophet, he, this is his question, What can I do for you? Would you like for him to speak to the king on your behalf? And many people would have jumped at that opportunity, would they not? But this woman said, I dwell among my own people. I dwell among my own people. I think she showed her uh, humility uh, in, in making that kind of response. She wasn't concerned about being patted on the back. She wasn't concerned about being recognized. She was a very humble servant of God. Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit goes before fall, Proverbs 16, 18, and it never fails. You see, the way to go up the way to be successful is to go down, is to be humble in spirit. This woman is called a great woman. But I think about the questions she was asked. Now, the first question she was asked in verse 26 is this, is it well with you? 
is it well with you? Now, that's the proper order. You see, when you think about how things are with others, we should always start with ourselves. That's why when Paul was addressing the, an issue about uh, the observance of the Lord's Supper in the 11th chapter of 1 Corinthians, he, in verse 28 he said, But let a man examine himself. That's where to start. Examine yourselves. When Paul was addressing the elders of the Ephesian church in the 20th chapter of Acts, in verse 28 he said, Take heed unto yourselves. That's the place to start. You start with yourself. In 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 16, Paul said, take heed to, your, to yourself and to your doctrine. So the first thing we ought to do is to ask, is it well with me? The question was, is it well with you? You know, many people think everything is okay so long as they have money. They think everything is well if they have a fine home in which to live. They think everything is well if they have some uh, big investments on Wall Street. They, they think everything is well if they are popular and they are able to move am among some of the most popular people in the town. But what does it really mean? for it to be well with you. Well, in order for it to be well with a person, I want to suggest that Jesus must be precious to you. Is Jesus precious to you? Do you really love Jesus? We sing that song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. But do we love Jesus in return. In John the 14th chapter and verse 15, Jesus said, If you love me, will keep my commandments. If you love me, do what I tell you to do. Obey me. If you love me, keep my commandments. Is Jesus precious to you? Many years ago, I was preaching on a a radio station on Sunday nights after I would preach in the, at the church where I was uh, preaching the gospel at the time. About an hour or so after the service was over, I would, I would go and preach live on a 50,000-watt radio station. And occasionally, the children would want to go with me. And inasmuch as we had three children, we, I'd take one at the time. And I remember one night when our oldest daughter was with me and we're traveling down the highway out toward the radio station. She said to me, she said, you know, Daddy, I love Jesus more than I love strawberry pie. And if you just knew how that girl loved strawberry pie, not only back then when she was just a tiny child, but even today, then you'd understand how much she loves Jesus. But she wasn't through. Then she said to me, but Daddy, I love Jesus more than I love you. And, and that made me feel so I got misty-eyed a little. And Jesus was precious to her when she was a little girl. 
Is it a surprise to you that Jesus is still precious to her now? That she's a grown woman, has two precious children, and, and Jesus is precious to her children. You see, it's not going to be well unless the Lord is precious to you. And for it to be well with my soul, I have to realize my complete dependence upon the Lord. I, I have to be willing to, to, to trust him with all of my heart and to lean not on my own understanding. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5. See, I can't have it well as long as I'm trying to do it myself. It's not in man that walketh to direct his steps, Jeremiah 10, 23. I can't do it by myself. I have to realize how much the Lord means to me and how much I depend on the Lord. Trust him with all your heart. It can't be well with you unless you trust him. If that's the kind of faith that you have, a trusting faith in the Lord. But it cannot be well unless I'm doing his will in my life. You see, if I trust him, if I love him, then I will surrender my will to his will. Now that's where the rub comes in for some people because they have a very strong self-will and they're not willing to yield to the will of anyone else. And people like that sometimes have problems getting along with other people because they're so strong-willed and they will not yield to the thinking of anyone else. And people that are strong-willed are going to have a very difficult time yielding to God's will. But the fact is, if we expect it to be well with our souls, we must be willing to yield to the will of God Almighty. Is it well with your soul? For it to be well with my soul, I must give my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. In Romans, the sixth chapter, and in verse number 12, I want you to listen to the apostle. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies, that you should obey it in its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness for God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under law, but you're under grace. Those verses tell, uh, tell us if we will stop and, and meditate on them, think on them, uh, read them and reread them, they tell us that I must be willing to yield my life to the, to the will of God if things are to be well with my soul. But now how will I go about doing that? Well, in the earlier part of this chapter, he tells us exactly how uh, we yield our life to him. Listen to him 
in verse number one. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. If I yield my life, I must be willing to die to the sin in my life. Because you see, sin is offensive to God. It's offensive to God. It is so offensive that he gave Jesus on the cross for my sins. And to yield my life to him as a person who has died to sin, repented, I must be baptized with Jesus Christ, buried with him in baptism. Verse 4, into death. It was in his dying that Jesus shed his blood. And when we're baptized into Christ, verse 3, we put on Christ, Galatians 3 and verse 27. And then we arise from that watery grave to walk in the newness of life. And now our sins are forgiven. And there is a life that is to be lived. According to verse uh, 18 of Romans 6, we have now become slaves of righteousness. In other words, we're now going to spend the rest of our life doing the right thing and serving the will of God. Let me ask you a question. Is it well with your soul? Then the woman was asked, is it well with your husband? Well, it's not well with your husband if your husband is not a Christian, if he's not saved. And Christian women can have a big influence in the saving of their husbands. In 1 Peter, the third chapter, Peter wrote, Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husband, that if any obey not the word, they may without the word be won by the conversation of their wives, that is, by the conduct of their wives, while they behold your chaste conduct or conversation coupled with fear. Simply put, that means that if your husband is unsaved, as a Christian woman, your influence can have a tremendous impact upon that man, and you can lead him to Christ, not by nagging him, not by fussing at him, not by trying to preach sermons to him, 
but you can win him to Christ by the godly example that you set before him day in and day out. I've known of women who waited 30 years before that opportunity came, and it may be that it will not take that long in your case. But is it well with your husband? It can only be well with him if he is a child of God. And then the third question the woman was asked, is it well with the child? How is it with your children? Is it well with your child with the parents that he has? Is it well with your child with the uh, friends that your child has? Is it well with a child, the books that he reads, the television programs that are watched, the music to which your child listens? Is it well with your child? Is it well with a child with the habits that child may have? Your ch if your child is using drugs, oh, you say, Brother Lambert, now you're just way off base here. My child wouldn't do that. And that's what many parents have said, only to discover later that their child had been doing it for a long, long time. Is it well with your child? The question I want us to think about is this. Is it well with your soul? Is it well with your soul? Will it be well with your soul in the morning of the resurrection? Will it be well with your soul as you stand before God in the hour of judgment. We're going to all stand before him one day. Romans 14, 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. Is it well with your soul? You see, the condition of your soul now could well determine and will determine the condition of your soul in eternity. How well it is with you now will determine how well it will be with you later on. So is it well with your soul? You say, well, Brother Lambert, I've really been thinking about making some changes in my life. I've given that some serious thought. Well, boast not thyself of tomorrow because a man does not know what a day may bring forth, Proverbs 27.1. So you say, I know I need to make some changes. I know everything is not well with my soul now. I know my home life is not what it ought to be. Now is the time to act. Become a Christian today. Make your home a Christian home. Believe in Jesus. Repent of your sins. Confess your faith in Jesus. Be baptized into Christ. That those sins will be washed away in the blood of the Lamb. I want to thank you today for watching our telecast. I would like to give you an invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community. And if you have questions, I'm certain they'll be happy to help you answer those questions. I want to thank you for watching. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you, is my prayer. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, 
Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36580 or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bibles.